0: Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, Where we take a deep dive into movies and television, join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, did Home Alone Rowan John Hughes's career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Rami Youssef has always been a creative person. His first big purchase was actually a camera. The New Jersey native didn't see show business as an achievable goal, but an underlying passion directed him to create more and more, eventually encouraging him to edit, to act, and to write. Eventually, he moved to L.A., where he landed roles on shows like See Dad Run and Mr. Robot, and even a small role in the James Franco-Brian Cranston holiday comedy Why Him? Fast forward to 2019, and Rami landed a special with HBO called Feelings. And about the same time, he got a series on Hulu, where he plays a fictionalized version of himself called Rami. The new series is described as, In New Jersey, Rami, son of Egyptian migrants, begins a spiritual journey divided between his Muslim community, God, and his friends who see endless possibilities. In this interview, Rami discusses writing personal material, the pressure cooker of creating earnest Muslim material, the difference in stand-up and running a series, his obsessions with ego and faith, and how comics should spend their free time during the quarantine. If you enjoyed this interview, look for the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website and join millions of viewers for the new YouTube video essay series, also called Creative Principles.
1: I, I had always been making things since, you know, I, I, when my first, like, save your birthday money purchase was a camera. You know, like, I, I was always really interested in videoing things and making things, but I, I definitely... Um, I think for multiple reasons, I would say one culturally, but also just like, I grew up in New Jersey, I didn't really ever have the reality or the idea that show business or being on TV or anything like that would ever be achievable, so it was very out of my mind, I was mostly just doing it out of passion, but I was always making things, and I think I started really scaling it up in a serious way in high school, I just learned how to video edit, learned how to make things, how to write, how to act, I was I was lucky I went to a school that had like a really active television department. Um, but I went to school for political science and economics, again, not really thinking that I would ever see this through in any way. Um, again, more just doing it for passion. But then at some point in college I I got roped into like simultaneously doing acting school while being in college and I, I was at Rutgers in Newark in Jersey and then I was also going to William Esker Studio to act. And then it became pretty clear to me that I was gonna drop out of Rutgers and and kind of hit the ground running. Um, So that was around, I think I was 20, 19 or 20 when I did that. Um, And then I got, you know, I took the role um, that, that moved me from the East Coast to L.A. And then, yeah, I've just been, it's been the main focus.
0: A lot of people avoid like things that are personal. It seems like you really lean into that. How did did you have any fears at front? How did you kind of get past those fears? How did you make the personal relatable in your comedy?
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of fears. I think part of it is that um, a big part of why I never thought this would be a career for me was because I didn't really see anyone like me in doing this kind of work. And so I think... um, as I got into it and knew that I wanted to touch on a lot of the subjects I was touching on, there was, um, there was, and it continues to be, um, a bit of a pressure cooker because there are very little, if maybe no other programming that talks about being Muslim from a earnest place uh, or from a place that is, you know, primarily, um, giving the spotlight to that. So I felt nervousness in, you know, feeling this, initial instinct to want to cover this wide-ranging topic and realizing pretty quickly that I can't do that, and I had to get super personal, actually, and almost limiting uh, in order to, you know, tell a story that could actually touch on emotional things. But there's a lot of nervousness that comes with that, and there's a lot of, you know, risk that comes with that in in a lot of the topics that we go at, and, and I think that Uh, rightfully so, the show ends up being something that people really love and often something that people really hate. And I think that's to the nature of how personal it gets. So for me, um, I I crafted the ideas of going that deep and that personal on stage when I realized it was what was giving me the the most connection to the people in front of me in a room. And I really crafted that in small rooms of audiences anywhere from eight people to a couple hundred, maybe sometimes a couple thousand. And then really scaling that approach into a TV show that, you know, gets watched by millions.
0: How do you, what would you say the North Star of the show is? Is it just kind of like being yourself to some degree? I know it's a character, but how do you keep the pressure off yourself of trying to, you know, represent Muslim Americans and that kind of thing?
1: To me, the North Star is watching characters deal with uh, who they want to be and who they actually are. And I think that that's super universal. And I think watching somebody struggle with their higher self and their lower self is something that we're viewing through the lens of a Muslim, an Arab Muslim American family. Um, but the overall struggle that, that I'm talking about, this is something that everyone deals with, with whatever their own filters are. And so when I'm focusing on that for my character, when I'm focusing on that for this family, um, that that's what's most important to me. And everything else is details that fill in that that struggle. Um, but I, I try
0: and keep my eye on that more than anything. How do you kind of first present some of your ideas? Do you, do you see it as like talking with friends? Like if you're going to make a decision, like to talk about God and your religion, and maybe kind of make fun of like how you know yoga is almost spirituality now. How do you start to have those conversations? Do you literally go up on stage in the beginning, or did you have conversations with friends and see who's laughing, or how did you start to get that material together?
1: It was actually started with very serious conversations. It started with conversations of how can this relationship that someone has with their spirituality, that someone has with their guilt, that someone has with God, be shown in a way that feels genuine that doesn't feel like pure allegory, that doesn't feel like mockery, that doesn't feel cartoonish, but that feels rooted and grounded uh, in a time where, especially through the lens of comedy, religion is mainly a punchline. So there was this very clear desire that I was having with a lot of friends. And then that sat with me for a while and ended up coming out on stage uh, in the form of jokes, and then I started really workshopping this stuff on stage and realizing, oh, okay, like I can make this, I can make this funny, and I can still have it feel real, and I can still have it match all these goals that I have. And so, um it, it the, the funny part came in stand up, but um it's rooted um, to see. The representation of that relationship, like if I, if I were to say that there was what, what is my show representation of? It's less representation of Muslims, it's more representation of the struggle between faith and ego.
0: How do you start to present something like that? Uh, is there uh, not to like uh, you know completely butcher the jokes, but. If you're going to present something like the Hogwarts ISIS joke, do you need to make the audience come on your side first? Like, is there a bit of a formula to saying something that, you know, is noticeably like possibly controversial or something like that? How do you kind of start to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you need a way in. I mean, I, so much of that, there's there's so many things that, you know, when you're doing stand up on stage um, and you you get you taste so much success and so much failure and you start to understand, oh, okay, this is why one thing works, this is why something else doesn't work. And, and I think a lot of the topics and a lot of the things that I have fun getting into are very, uh, they're a very thin tightrope, you know, and it's really important to understand that there, there can be a difference of perception based on timing, based on word choice, based on order, there, there are a lot of jokes where I realize, oh, okay, well, you need to know one thing about me first in order to understand this other thing. And so I think it's like any relationship that you would have with anybody where first impressions mean something and, and the way that you segue into things means something. And that's something that I take a lot of care in and think a lot about, uh, whether it be on stage or whether it be with the show, that... When you can understand that the person in front of you is a human, you start to understand where they're coming from and you can get into nuances um, in a different way. And, and sometimes I think about it like this. Like sometimes you're in traffic, even in your car, and people are just beeping at you because they think you're just a car trying to swerve. And there's this really like simple thing where sometimes I just stick my hand out. And then all of a sudden, the person behind me who was beeping, like it's like, oh, okay, yeah, segue, because they remember there's a person in the car. It, it's really interesting. It's like, oh yeah, 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 there's a human driving that car. I just saw the flesh of their hand. Yeah, I'm gonna let them pass. As opposed to sometimes we're just in our cars and we just think it's this like game between you know machines and metal. And and so just it's really this thing of like creating you know like like a reminder and a frame of hey, we're all people. And, and I think that. Once that's established in a way, you can get into darker jokes and you can get into things that, um, you know, people might not have been able to see right off the bat.
0: Do you think things have changed in a more limiting way? Like do you see some some of like today's political correctness, a lot of comedians, especially like on uh, Seinfeld's new talk show are, are kind of talking about it and where they feel forced to apologize for advertisers or different things. You think as long as you present it, okay, it's, it's fine to pretty much say what you want or is it, or is it more limits today on what you can say on stage?
1: I think in terms of this political correctness conversation in general, um, I think you have to earn the joke that you're telling. I think that you can tell any joke, but it is the job of the comedian to be aware of what is happening and it's the job of the comedian to craft something that is not capitalizing on people's pain, but is hopefully highlighting something sensitive in a way that comedy only can. And so I, I find the, 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 political corrective conversation just comes into this place where people sometimes are just fighting for the right to be sloppy or fighting for the right to just say whatever they want to say. Um, and, and I don't think that, um, I, I don't think that that's, yeah, I don't think that that's really a worthy fight. I, I think that you can say almost anything, um, but you, you need to earn the way in. And, and, and I think that that's the whole point of comedy is that it's a really fun challenge to say certain things that people aren't supposed to say, you know, and, 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 and so there's a lot of fun in digging into the subconscious. And so I do think that there are examples of audiences, um, not appreciating the craft that a comedian puts behind uh, a joke. And, and and I do think that sometimes audiences can perhaps be too sensitive. I, I think that an audience um, needs to be a willing participant and understand the format of comedy and that it's not educational um, and that it's more about looking at emotions. And, and a lot of those emotions can be messy, but I really do think it's the job of the comedian to present those things, um, In in a a skilled, deft way, because that's our job. Uh, But I think I would say eight times out of 10 when comedians are crying political correctness, the joke is sloppy. Uh, But I do think that there is the the other times where it's just like, oh, yeah, the audience just wasn't they didn't want to get it.
0: What's your path look like maybe from taking? Let's say you have an idea that might work in a stand up special, but it might might also work on your show. How do you transfer that joke to the show? Like, what are some of the different aspects of what you're looking for with material versus what the writing of the series looks like?
1: Well, to me, a lot of my stand-up is going to be me probing my intentions and why I think things that I think, and so I, I, I basically bring that probing into the show um, by putting. You know, I think we all have different points of view in our mind. We're we're constantly. You know, many of us are probably have three or four different counterpoints about any thought that we have. Um, and, and then in the show, I get to put those counterpoints in the mouths of other characters. And and so it's really fun to play with that balance. Uh, take a stand-up joke. Most stand-up jokes have a point, a counterpoint, and you're kind of exploring all those things. And then you, you get to kind of spread those out to the characters in, in the show.
0: What's been some of the fan response like for the series? What's been maybe um, the most noticeable things that you've done? Is it mostly through dialogue that you kind of get some messages across? Is it through symbolism? What do people notice, that, or, or maybe also that you didn't intend for them to notice as well?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that um, strike people when they watch the show. I think my show is, there's a lot going on in the show, and I find that the show, it's we have, I think we we really, to me, bring people closer to their questions. This isn't really a show that you watch for answers. I think it's one that you watch this character who's seeking and, and this family that's seeking um, their own meaning and kind of what their rules are going to be. And so I, I find that um, the audience really brings to it whatever they're going through. And so I think if you want to be upset while watching my show, you can be, and I think if you want to uh, be inspired, you can be. I think there are, there are enough things there um, that you can draw whatever conclusion that you want, and and I think that uh, it, it does say a lot about the viewer. And so the range of the responses is really cool because I think people who are um, pe- people who are looking at um, the content, they, they, they I think some of the questions we're asking and some of the types of characters we're showing. Um, we're treading it in a way that um, can can get emotional in a way that that creates again like a lot of excitement and a lot of um, a lot of why did you do that <laughs> and I think that. That goes across dialogue, it goes across scenarios and, you know, in a way where people who are very conservative are uncomfortable with the sex and people who are very not into religion and spirituality are uncomfortable with the God conversation. And that's always been the balance that I'm treading on stage as well.
0: There's definitely a lot of juxtaposition there's there's one line about everything being a blessing and a curse. What are some of the logistics of your writer's room and how do you make sure you're kind of maybe having both sides of the argument and, and getting everyone's voice in that way like what is what does that process kind of look like from idea to making the series? you
1: know for us it's very um, it's very important to have healthy debate in the room, and so for me, my writer's room is really comprised of people who have strong point of views that go in the opposite i mean like there are one of my writers is you know two of them actually i think are fully memorizing the quran and then you have like two who like don't believe in god at all and i think there's this really fun debate that comes out of it and we really get to bring to the surface a lot of the questions and a lot of the um motivations for the characters that we have and so I like to talk about things that we care about and then I like to distill that into these character point of views and you know for me I, I'm I'm kind of getting grilled by people in my room and also trying to push conversations in certain ways and then I think about a lot of that and then I start putting it in outlines you know and, and I'll write an outline and then turn it and then show it to the room and then we'll all talk about it and then we'll shape it into a script and then, you know, we'll we'll kind of arc it out and, and, and play with it like that.
0: What were some of the big themes you were talking about, like for uh, the latest season, I know you're talking about killing ego. It looks like some of it might be, you know, you're kind of becoming an adult to some degree. There's the argument of like Friday prayer, Friday night, some of those aspects. What were some of the big themes for this latest season you were talking about?
1: I think so much of what we were really excited to dig into, like you said, is ego. Um, And and I think we were really looking at for this character, um, you know, season one was very aspirational and him trying to figure out who he is. And I think season two is his attempt to be transformational. And really he sees who he is. He sees his problems and he's trying to fix them, but he's still fixing them from this place of thinking that religion and and, and kind of the relationships that he's forming can change everything for him. Like like it can be that easy. And I think he's still dancing around real change and still dancing around looking at his real pain and looking at what he's dealing with. And so um we really wanted to look at a character like Sheikh Ali who is really driven by his love and really a person who's genuinely been transformed by the faith and juxtapose him with, um, a Rami type person who really does have good intentions. But yeah, it's like that quote about good intentions, paving the road to hell, whatever it might be, but it, it really kind of, um, understand the, you know, the actual experience of faith and then the performance of it and, and how damaging that can be.
0: Do you feel any limits to the show? Like, traditionally, uh, not really. it's not really a sitcom, but like sitcoms and TV shows, the characters are not really supposed to grow that much. Do you feel like you want to have this character grow more than he can, or how do you kind of think about long-term goals for this character?
1: I, For me, this character is going to go through a lot, and I think what was so exciting about finishing the second season was me realizing just how we're almost just scratching the surface. And so I think in terms of um, even season one versus season two, we decided to put a little bit more plot onto the show. And I think it really benefits what scenarios we'll be able to get into. I think a lot of sitcom is just seeing the same character with the same problems. And then you get to cycle through a bunch of scenarios and you kind of know what that character is going to do because of how we've seen them act. And I think we're really looking at creating a more narrative structure where um, we're slowly peeling back on him, and, and I think we'll really get to see him grow into some things that um, that that lend themselves more towards what is traditionally seen as the narrative arcs. But I think we have a really fun time playing with the tone and um, you know get, get, getting that and crafting that, and, and so that that's been really fun.
0: I recently heard one of the creators of Lost talk about he kind of wished that showrunners could prescribe how viewers watch their their shows. Like, do they watch once a week or do they binge it? Do you have a preference towards that? And how do you kind of think about, you know, catering to those two types of audience who might watch it all on a weekend or they might watch it occasionally?
1: The show is built, to me, for streaming. I think that especially, too, in the second season, um, again, we kind of put more plot on and... I, What I love about TV and and what we try to take advantage with in TV uh, with this show is that every episode doesn't need a neat conclusion. It, it's we're seeing small moments and we're seeing these chapters and we're parking them and we're adding them to not only the end of a season, but throughout an entire series. And so we really try and give these windows into what individual characters are going through and what is happening and by their nature they're incomplete because again that's what's so good about the format and so to be able to do it um in an era of binging is really fun because it doesn't give us this um it doesn't give us this prerogative to have to have this like complete feeling ending at the end of every episode that sometimes you have an issue uh, in feeling like you need to do Uh, when it's a weekly, right? Because you want to make sure people come back next week as opposed to with our show, you can just kind of, you know, it's just going to bleed into the next one. And so these are really built to bleed into the next one.
0: Is there any uh, maybe advice you wish you had before you started the series or any misconceptions you had about working on a TV show?
1: Um, It's hard because it's really hard to have like any advice that can like genuinely prepare you. I think people will say a bunch of stuff. Um, I just wish like, you know, probably, I wish someone had just really told me to drink more water. (laughs) It's probably like, it's probably like the only advice I can give anyone for most things is like, drink more water and pray or meditate or whatever you do more. Uh, That's probably the only thing that can really help. Um, But I've been very lucky. I've gotten a lot of Good. I have such a great team and, and who've made things I loved before. And, and so this is a really great team. And, and, and so the, the advice is, is, is abundant. You know?
0: what do, I have been asking a little bit more often, what does your rest period look like when you're not working? Are you, are you jotting down ideas or how do you kind of take a break and maybe be less productive for a while? That's
1: a great question. I, I I'm I'm <laughs> I i am i do not know the had to it. That's actually been the question on my mind. I think um, what happened for me uh, between season uh, season one and season two, um, I did not have a break. Fin- finishing the show during quarantine was super draining. But then it was really funny that it just it was done. It was finally done, and I was like, oh man, I need to rest for three months. And then. I was I just like saw it on the app and it was out and up and immediately I was like, man, I need to, I need to write. Like I I have to keep writing. And I immediately just had like a a, a notes, you know, thing open on my phone and I was with a bunch of the ideas that I had been compiling slowly as I was editing and seeing things. And, and so, um, it, yeah, you, it's, it's such a torturous relationship working on something, but I, I do get really energized, like continuing to think of the ideas. Um, but it's cool. I'm in this little medium spot right now where I get to think of the ideas on less of a tight deadline until we, um, you know, get
0: back up and running. I follow some of the uh, stand up comedians like on Reddit and I kind of watch how their how some of their conversations go. A lot of them are talking about the quarantine, that um, some say they have writer's block, others say, What's the point if I can't get in front of people? Do you have any advice on that? Like try, trying to stay funny, trying to do some work right now for those that are mainly focused on a stand up career?
1: You know, I think that there's always this big obsession when you're coming up as a standup to try and be on stage every night that you can. And I've always felt that as standups, it's really important to live as much real life as you can so that that can bleed into your work. And and I think when you're only doing standup and you're only hanging around with standups, comedy can get a little, you can get a little pigeonholed to being, Kind of creating comedy with with the energy of comedy, like comedy in quotation marks, you know, because it's so much of what you're living is comedy. Your comedy starts to be personable, personal, personal about a thing that isn't that personal, because most people aren't pursuing comedy, if that makes sense. And so I, I would really just urge, as you know, this to be a time where, like, if you're feeling funny, feel funny, but. Also, this could be a gift to just try and live as much real life as you can. I mean, and, and I understand that that's not um, easy for everybody. You know, everyone has circumstances, whether they be financial, emotional. Um, you know, the, everyone has such different structure. But I would just say that it's okay to, to pause for a second and really take stock of life and take stock of your relationships because if your goal is to do comedy – almost turning off that switch for a second could lead to some of the most thoughtful thoughts you've ever had if you're not trying to be funny and you're more just really trying to tap into where you're actually at. Um, And so this quarantine really gives an opportunity to do that.
0: And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles. And give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.